run that intro, bruh. I'm running that intro. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Mythic Morons. I am Chaney. And I am Sid. And we are back for a monumental episode 36, I believe. And I forget. I think it's 36 or 37. I'm getting lost on these. Um, Hold on here. Mythic Morons is my top Spotify podcast, so. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> I, I saw that no. little update today, too. I was a little proud of that. Growing this one would be 30, 37. Um, and in episode 37, I guess you can just expect us to stroke off Dave Filoni and and us to to protest and to go to California and go to Disney and and, and tell them and, and, and just hold signs outside the, the Cinderella's castle saying, make Dave Filoni the creative control of Star Wars. I don't yeah. give a fuck anymore. I don't. Yeah. I don't care. It We're on the verge. <laughs> We're on the verge of booking our Canada tickets right now, aren't we, Chaney? He, yeah, he literally, un- he, he understands what George wanted or what George, what he was trying to do, is, what is I important think. with Star Wars, and yeah. he just he just has a way. He's more like dialed in than George was. George George is way out there, obviously. A hundred percent. I think you're never experience- gonna get anyone. Yeah, the, the experience he had George. being like literally the imprint- apprentice to George Lucas, like kind of shadowing him through like the through the creation and development of clone wars he definitely picked up on you know what what the master essentially is doing with the with these stories um cuz yeah like let's just get into it here this is one of the most star warsy things i've seen in live action yeah. or in any kind of a medium form this was like th- pure, the exact pure same thing. like so pure to the to the to the bones of like what these kind of stories are and i knew while watching it that we would have such a a glorious kind of time discussing the influences of this episode of uh of just you know dave filoni's obviously directing it the some new characters that we're seeing introduced into live action for the first time so let's get into it then buddy uh we're here talking about the mandalorian season two episode four so we're at the halfway point of this already strong season and we're just getting off to a an even stronger point now. And I, I was telling you, right, for the trailers of this season, they didn't show anything beyond episode three. So everything we're seeing now in this episode and going forward is all going to be kind of, um, we're just going to be dropped into it, I guess. We have no expectation to go into. Um, and going into this episode, I guess, you know, we were just inquisitive enough or, or understanding enough to know that, okay, it's about time we see Ahsoka Tano in, in this shit. Um, apologies to the heist episode from season one. Um, this this is the best episode of Mandalorian so far. Yeah. Um, and yeah. It's, it's not one I expected it to be. Like usually, like what I've been saying throughout most of this is like I like the one off, the adventure types, the sort of more anthology influenced episodes of the Mandalorian. Um, and this was not one of those. This was like one of the most mainline episodes where Mandalorian sort of dabbles within the main story of Star Wars more so than any other time that he ever has. 100%. Um, this was like a and, cool... And the way I saw this was like a, a nexus point of uh, within the universe of Star Wars, right? Um, it, it felt like, as a fan, I guess, just like kind of receiving justice for the fact that the writers of this episode or, you know, like just the creators of the show are acknowledging the galaxy that they're in. You know, it's not just that 
this is the new this is the era they're in and we're not going to acknowledge anything of the prequels or the originals like there's a strong threaded through line um through this episode particularly that you know deals with the deals with the impacts of um the prequels the um you know like anakin turning to the dark side and how that obviously you know that shouldn't be a spoiler at this point but yeah it how that affected ahsoka you know after she had left the jedi order and then just the small little bits of stuff we've been seeing in the animated shows um this episode here kind of became a bridge i i i like to see it as that where it's acknowledging what came before and giving us an understanding of where this character is today you know yeah the echoes of the Clone Wars are still being felt even after Episode Six, which is mm-hmm. insane when you think about it. When you do the, when you follow the plot thread, yeah, of what's it been gives more weight now. to the entire calamity of Order sixty six of the clones turning over, um, even Ahsoka leaving the Jedi Order. Right, it gave just a lot more weight and depth to those events, kind of acknowledging it now in a different uh, context. Yeah, it's. Um it's crazy. It's weird seeing the Mandalorian sort of interact with major characters that we've known. And Ahsoka isn't like a major mainline character. Like when you think of like character tier lists in terms of importance, you got like Luke and Anakin and, and Han up there in the A tier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but Ahsoka is strong in the B tier because she's, she's a major part. She's of, coming up of, now though. I would say she's like, there's a, a good amount of focus on her character. I think in, in this like, era of star wars stories that we're in we're seeing a more progression i think of her like she sort of acts as like a as a a really interesting character because she's not um like a jedi in the in the philosophy of the religion you know but she's a good person so to me like uh you know when they introduced the idea of ahsoka like really early on years ago it was kind of a like uh like a what are they doing situation to me like now they're just tossing in the idea Anakin Skywalker had an apprentice all along. Okay, like this was never mentioned at all in the movies. This is just new stuff. And, and it's like kind of corny, like kind of annoying the way she's like a young little girl just like trying to be trying to trying to be helpful, I guess, in the in the Clone Wars. But it's just like, hey, this is a bit childish. And it was crazy to see how like within like, you know, the the span of the show getting to this last season of Clone Wars that ended how she took like took the center front of being one of the most impactful Star Wars characters in the universe and like a real fan favorite in that way. Yeah, people forget that everyone hated Ahsoka at the start. Yeah. Everyone hated her. She and just annoying. the idea of her, you know, like they I thought they had done the apprent the Skywalker slash Vader apprentice thing well in the Force Unleashed games. I don't know if you ever played those, but they had the Star Killer character in there. And I thought like why not bring him into this into the loop of the shows or whatever but they they didn't do that either yeah i wasn't like star killer is a bit weird for me because he's like so overpowered it's a little odd well yeah in the in the sense of video game you don't want to see that as canon but like in in a in a character point of view like in a what is this what is the idea of a of a skywalker apprentice or a vader apprentice like i like the concept of that a lot so i guess just you know not to stay too long on the force unleashed type of thing but the the idea of a Skywalker apprentice grew on me over time, uh, like as Ahsoka developed. Like it wasn't an immediate sell, you know what I mean? Um, and and yeah, like just bringing it back to this episode, like it tied back into that kind of beautifully. Like the fact that she was an apprentice 
And in this episode, like, obviously, we are led to finding her, or Mando is finding her so that Baby Yoda, who we finally find out has a name, has a bit of a history that's cool, too. Um, she, he is, like, trying to get Ahsoka to train the kid. Um, and she's reluctant towards it. She's obviously very world-weary about the galaxy and her place in the Jedi Order or in the galaxy in general. So she refuses it. Uh, she refuses the call for adventure in a way, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think she has her own motivations, though. Let's let's sort of like go back to the beginning, though. Like, sure, yeah, yeah. Let's like, let's go from the the opening scene because, like, holy shit, that was the yeah. coolest opening scene of this series so far. So here's another segment of Cheney's wrong about the Mandalorian. Both I of thought. us, yeah, both of us yeah. were kind of wrong about our prediction of when she would appear. I thought right? it was going to be some sort of ex machina sort of save the day type of thing with right. regards to the Empire now tracking Mando. Mm-hmm. So they were going to show up next to him and then she was going to save the day. But no, like it's... Um, we open Expectations subverted. Just, She's the first thing you see. Yeah, those are proper expectations. Yes, um, yes. Uh, she's the first thing you see and in like kind of a very unique scene that like... Yeah. Really It's honestly showcases. one of my favorite like Star yeah. Wars scenes I've seen. Yeah, Not same gonna here. Lie. Mm-hmm. Same here. Um, first time in a while that I've seen live action lightsaber stuff that actually makes me happy. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like it wasn't just the fact it was like you know the the cool looking white sabers and the dual saber thing, but it was like multiple things. It was the choreography, obviously her kind of just ninjiness. I guess like just to put it like that, like she's just a an absolute ninja on the field and the cinematography also plays into it you know like you it it it's it's a gritty looking scene with these kind of soldiers um retreating in a forest in a foggy forest so already off the visuals i was like i'm into this kind of gritty bleak looking setting and i was expecting this to be a mando fight in the beginning i thought this was like Oh, like this is this must be Mando, Mando fighting these guys, and then you see the you just see the white blade kind of come in past the camera, and you see what these soldiers are running from, and and there's nothing to prepare you for that. There's no like, you know, there's 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 blaster sounds. That's it. But as soon as you hear the lightsaber hum and the the glow, you're like you know exactly what's going down now. And that, like I said, expectation subverted because. I think most of most people, not just me and you, but because kind of like the way the structure of the series is like we were all expecting Ahsoka not to be at the forefront of this episode as much as we wanted it to happen. We were like readying our our experience of watching it. And and they're like, no, this is going to be full blown from her point of view from the beginning. Yeah. And she's just slaying from that point on. Yeah. That was, um, it kind of highlights like how terrifying it would be to go up against a Jedi. It's more mm-hmm. aligns with the perspective of the troopers that are within the town or are trying to get back to the town. Right. And the yeah. situation they're under. So um, it's a it's a cool way of looking at things a, a little bit um, just with how terrifying it would be to have like some sort of sorcerer with laser swords just absolutely mowing you down and you can't see her, but she's like superhuman. It's craziness. Um, and it sets up the episode quite nicely to where Ahsoka is trying to liberate this town from this evil lady who's mm-hmm. just going to kill all of them for some reason. I don't know why she would do that, to be honest. Um, like, why is the town there? Right. 
Well, th- like, you know what? This felt like this really felt like a Clone Wars episode to me. Like it yeah, has it Filoni's like blood like running through it with the idea of setting up this town and this queen lady, whoever she is, and it just really felt like you know taking advantage of that that format of just you know going to a different world and seeing the world and seeing the people. But you know this episode kind of takes it a step further, and we see okay, this isn't like the the Imperial Empire you know running the show around here. This is its own. Uh, it's it's its own system within this planet. I think, and I always find those kind of things interesting, especially in the Clone Wars. Then when you're going on adventures and seeing other aspects of life, you know, it's it's broadens the scope of the whole thing, the whole story to me. Um, I want to ask you too: Did you get a sense that like the lightsaber fight or like just Ahsoka dealing with these guys brutally? You know, it to me it kind of invoked like a bit of the prequel hand to hand combat that we just saw like a very smooth well choreographed uh fighter you know like not like each set of the movies has their own distinct style of fighting and this just heavily leans towards the prequels for me were you getting that vibe i not really no i I thought it was sort of maybe in between between prequels and in the ot um i didn't really get like an overly prequel sort of choreography type thing i just kind of got like a oh cool lightsaber Mm, that's fair i i guess that that's a probably a better way of putting it. it's like in the middle of the toned down uh like amateurness i guess of the originals and the just full-blown like dancing with the stars kind of choreography of the prequels but yeah it's not too overly choreographed but it feels like this is a jedi warrior you know this it doesn't yeah, it didn't yeah. feel like a newbie this is like okay somebody with the lightsaber knows what they're doing great you know um i do think there may have been like some limitations with the actress um mm. they did say some stuff about that that like they short they had to shorten the the head tails on her the um just the overall look had to be kind of shrunk a bit so the action could be kind of executed right i guess yeah um and like maybe um uh, what, who's the actress that plays her are you talking about the uh the queen or uh, no no sorry so awesome, uh, i mean yeah okay yeah Zari Dawson I don't think she had much time to prep for for this role in terms of like having a lot of time to work on the choreography mm-hmm. um as she did a pretty like, badass job I would say though like she she did but I was maybe expecting more mm-hmm. in a little in a little bit slightly um I don't know that's just my high expectations with regards to like lightsaber fights I really yeah they're like my favorite thing to see um but I don't know. We'll, we'll see as time goes on. I think you know, given the the amount of time that like all the people had on the mainline movies to actually do lightsaber stuff, this is the first time we've seen lightsaber action, live action, yeah, in a TV in show. The show. So yeah. we might we might see this trend continue if more lightsaber stuff comes up. If yeah, I have a um, feeling it will. I have a feeling this is the first of like much more we're gonna see with the Jedi in general. Like you know, obviously this episode leads into more Jedi stuff towards the end of it, but. I feel like this is just like really the teaser we're getting of even Ahsoka. Like what, what is her story is what I'm trying to figure out here. Like, you know, the whole thing of finding her to train the kid, like that's done and over with. Like that side of things is now in a way maybe concluded because she, she just said no. Um, but there's, they, they're leading into something greater. So I have a feeling this isn't like a one-off 
Ahsoka kind of uh, like here, this is like cool to see her again twirling some lightsabers. Like, I really think this is just a teaser for what we're about to see potentially in a future, a different show or in this season, who knows? Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I think like she, she kind of nails the look of it. Like I know this whole thing is based off of fan casting, which is like amazing to me, you know, like this is a couple years ago, somebody made concept art of Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka and it just, it, it like, it looked good. It looked like, yeah, this, this makes sense. And I guess the creators thought the same thing. And there's a fine line, I believe like, okay, looking the part and exuding the characteristics of, you know, like the character, um, and tra- how, how does it translate from animated to live action? There was a different voice actress, Ashley Eckstein, who did the, um, the Clone Wars shows and the Rebel shows. And like, now it's Rosario Dawson giving her kind of flavor to the character. So I was more curious to see how the character herself would be translated into live action. So what did you think of as the, you know, as the episode progressed and we saw more of her, um, what were your thoughts on that? I would admit it was like tough getting used to like at first it was pretty easy because like, well, it looks like a Sokotano obviously just in live action form, but um, I'm It's going to take a little bit used to with regards to talking and speech patterns because yeah. Yeah. that's slightly different. And the difference between her and like Bo-Katan is like Bo-Katan's voice actress also plays a live action. Actress, right. Which it's is, it, that's a good, that's a good point. Like with the Bo-Katan uh, reveal, like when she came up, I, I was never trying to piece those things together, I guess, consciously it, it just fit. Like it was, it was a, a smooth transition from the animation to the live action because like you said it's the same person but yeah like for this it's it's maybe maybe that does take you a bit out of the the experience but yeah i don't know like i wasn't thinking too much about it i just thought she she displayed some of the mannerisms pretty pretty well just like kind of small moments of of like just like yeah like mannerisms just things where when she's like looking at Mando or looking at the kid and smiling, like it really small moments like that. I don't know why, but it just kind of spoke to me. Like, this is like that childish kid Ahsoka that, you know, we saw in the Clone Wars. There's like one specific shot. I remember when she's talking to the kid and she smiles at him and you can see her teeth. And like that really just brought back the animated show for me. Um, So in, in some aspects, yeah, I think she did do well uh, portraying the character of Ahsoka in that way. But yeah, let's, let's move on. You want to, you want to talk about the kid? Yeah, let's talk about the child, aka Grogu. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not too hot about that name right now. I gotta say. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Yeah, I don't know, man. It just doesn't Grogu. Like, it's not rolling off the tongue the way I wanted it to, and it's not like maybe it'll become Yoda esque iconic, like in the future down the line after it's said enough. But to me, it just doesn't roll off the tongue like a Yoda or like a Yadel. You know, like it doesn't have to be Y related, but it can be like, I I thought they would do something more of like an iconic name. Like Grogu is like, I don't know. It just doesn't feel iconic to me. It, I feel like I'm still going to call him baby Yoda or the kid because those have become, you know, like the meme at this point, but Grogu is like, oh, that he has a, he has a pretty serious name. (laughs) Like it's not really, uh, I don't know. What would you think of it? I can't get too meta with it because like everyone's like, Oh, you'll always, you'll always be baby Yoda to me. I'm like, well, yeah. like in the context of like when you've been watching him, yeah, he's been baby Yoda for a year and a half, but like in the context of the show, it's Grogu and you have to sort for of sure. dial yourself back in. And 
sort of reset your expectations because all you've been knowing and all you've been talking about and all you've been using to discuss Grogu is the term Baby Yoda. So as yeah. soon as you hear the name, you're obviously going to have some type of backlash yeah. just yeah. just psychologically. It's just going to happen. But I I actually kind of like it. I don't know. I think it it sort of like the, the scene where he goes Grogu and he goes brother and he just yeah. looks at you. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, that sold it for me. His name's Grogu now. I don't yeah. care. Yeah, his little reaction to to Mando calling his, his name and recognizing him that was that was cute. I won't lie, all all the moments when like it's Rosa, uh, Ahsoka talking to the kid like teleforce communicating. Apparently, that's a new ability now, um, like reading each other's minds or whatever. I I like that. I like the the cuteness of him. And obviously, you know that shouldn't have to even be stated at this point. But do I see him as Grogu? I don't know, man. That's I just don't know about it. I got to see episode. I gotta see episode five to figure that out and settle with that and live with that. Regardless, regardless of his name, though, his backstory is interesting and potentially, um, like damaging to the series in a way. How how do you say that, or what makes you think that? Well, it makes sense for what he is. Like he's he's a Yoda species, so obviously he. lives a long time he's probably older than the mandalorian right they said 50 years old in like the last yeah. season about he could be about even older than that but like yoda was like what, 900 years old. well so. if we if we you know they did give us a good amount of information of what his backstory is and we could assess that he is like at least over 30 or 40 because he was a he was a youngling on the coruscant jedi temple back with yeah. ahsoka back with anakin yoda like he was a part of the crew in a way. Yeah, and which is yeah, weird. Interesting. How yeah, is I think he, that's so fucking interesting. How was he never brought up? How was he never talked about? Was he supposed to be a secret? Like, is he just this special project? Like, mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't, don't think so. Understand. I think he was just a youngling. I just think he was the, you know, I don't think it should be read into too much if he was like Yoda's okay. kid or Yato's kid or anything. I think he was just the average youngling and he survived Order 66, you know, but that this, makes him special. This youngling is so powerful with the Force. Right. To the point of being able to heal injuries and potentially bring people back to life, mm-hmm. just like in the sequels, that this little guy figured out the secret as to why Anakin turned to the dark side in the first place. What do you mean? That it, Anakin, if... Apparently, this kid had the solution for Anakin the entire time. Oh, oh, like you mean the 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 healing ability and all yeah. that, right? This, yeah, I mean Grogu that's just, just at this it. point, bro. This that's the biggest plot hole in the entire series now, or like that's just the biggest. Uh, yeah, just confuses everybody because yeah, but I don't. I don't even want to think too much about his his power about that because you're right. We're just gonna dig ourselves into a hole and think like the series, like the entire story, kind of doesn't function at that point. You know, like it's it's a damaging power. I still I find that power so problematic. Yeah, I don't. It's like just it. the power itself. Like I can I can understand it's the power like itself, him yeah. being in the Jedi Temple and just being a youngling. But like yeah, I don't want to think have... that he is also like a chosen one or he is some grand Jedi. I like my headcanon about Grogu is just that. Um, I think they mentioned it, like the Yoda species, or I might have just read this somewhere else, but the Yoda species is like a really powerful, in tune with the Force kind of race. So I just want to believe that he is just strong with the Force, but not like Anakin Skywalker level strong. You know, he's he's 
yeah, the, the whole force heal ability has now just become kind of a a huge thing they need to cover up because it doesn't make sense with with like you're right like if if he could do that all along or if he even didn't know how to do that who taught him how to do that along the along the journey and if he or if did he just know that figured it out on his own which is like how how like, yeah that well that's exactly that's problematic in itself how yeah so uh, yeah maybe it's more in line like not his origin being um problematic it's just like maybe just his use of that power in the first season and then yeah being in the context of oh he was around when anakin was doing all his bullshit kind of just rubbed me the wrong way in it a little bit <laughs> which is like that's fair more yeah. it's more dirt on jj and ryan than it is on, yeah than it is on feloni because obviously he just has to work with whatever got laid in front of him now yeah i so. i think the reveal in the last season with the healing factor like because who knows if we'll that's we'll see that aspect explored deeper again i think it at this point it must be explored deeper otherwise it's a giant plot hole but i i think really the only reason that was done was to settle in the idea that that was going to be like a big plot device in the rise of skywalker so and like literally that episode where he used that power came out the same week the rise of skywalker came out like a couple days before so uh yeah like i anyways yeah it's a it's kind of a problem i i think it's fair like that uh we're just digging at this kind of question about about you know his like it, it makes the whole the past seem a little foggy but now just thinking about that 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 becomes its story in itself like who saved him from the jedi temple during order 66 what was he doing during the time of between then and now like we obviously can understand he was being experimented on with these kind of like snoke or sidious uh kind of revitalize uh what do you call it resurrection tests or whatever and they're stealing his midichlorians so like we could see that he was or we know that he was in a not training right like he wasn't training to be a jedi during those years anyways no. yeah no yeah um what i was like there, there like some headcanon that happened mm -hmm. for me was like, you know how ahsoka's like second saber is actually smaller right yeah yeah i was hoping like eventually yeah she would train him and then given the time oh, she, oh that grogu would use she that just gives him the dagger yeah <laughs> the dagger saber for his for his full size saber because yeah yeah Yoda's it would saber. look proportional yeah exactly yeah yeah that's what yoda had yoda had a tiny saber too i mean yeah i know be, yeah see how much see how like i should be with dave Lula. i should be writing shit like this bro even though i've been saying this like at disney bro hire the fuck out of us um, but bets on Kylo Ren killing Grogu in the sequels. Oh, technically, like yeah, I guess. Um, I don't think so. I think he'd find him too adorable. I think Grogu would reach the heart of Kylo Ren. Yeah. I honestly what's, think so. Honestly, like, what's Grogu's end gonna be like? Because like, if he's right. like Yoda species, like, he's not going anywhere because of age anytime soon. Right. So where was he? Speculation station. That's where we're at yeah. now. Um, do you? I I kind of think we'll, we'll we might be introduced to Luke Skywalker in this season. I was actually hoping and, so because I want some yeah. proper Luke stuff. Yeah, bro. I mean, we're in the prime era of seeing that, so I think it would be a missed opportunity not to do that. And you also have well, an actor mm, like Sebastian Stan. He, uh, he would be. It would be five years after Return of the Jedi, so he would be like. I think like 25 i guess like 26 something like that 
He was like 20 in A New Hope, 19 or 20. So uh, so I guess they'd have to find a new actor. But yeah, of course they would. But here's the thing. It, you know the guy that plays Winter Soldier? In, yeah. Uh, Captain America, right? Sebastian oh, he Stan. He yeah. looks remarkably like young Mark Hamill. That's true. Remarkably. Yeah. That's true. So, I mean, I'm I don't not know how well sold on the idea people, of though. casting a new actor, but they did yeah. that with Han Solo. I mean, you could could do it, Luke. Yeah, but I didn't like that for Han Solo. I'm I didn't either. I'm a big Han Solo yeah. fan. Quickly on uh, Solo, though, just because we're talking about it. It is a good movie. It's a good Star Wars movie, I mean. Like, it's a, it's written by Lawrence Kasdan and his son, Jay Kasdan. So, the guys that wrote Empire. Uh, Lawrence Kasdan, the father of that duo. He wrote Empire, I mean. But, you know, these are guys that really have stuck with this story for a while. And the... Um, the relationship of, of young Han Solo becoming older Han Solo, I really like that part in that film. But anyways, I'll just keep it to that. I know you still haven't even seen that movie yet, right? That one's yeah, on your, I don't, I don't that's know on your blacklist. Yeah. Plan to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen the Darth Maul scene and that's all I need. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a, it's an all right movie. But um, moving on from there. Do you think we'll I, ever get Maul in The Mandalorian? I believe he's dead at this point. Oh, he, cause he oh, dies. Yeah, he is. I don't know if you know, like if you must know. Or you oh must no, no, no! no I remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, remember. I remember. He he oh, caught man. it. I totally Obi-Wan. forgot. Yeah, I totally. Forgot. But you know what? I I do want to see that scene in live action. I want to see his get it. last confrontation with Obi Wan on Tatooine. I want to see that live action. So, I don't know how they do it, but it could be done. It could be done. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Let's hit play on this, and let's just see where we where we go i really really love the setting of this town this um you know here here's the thing changing now, now we'll get into the really juicy nerdy stuff that we like to talk about but the duality of this episode right like one you got feloni the apprentice of george lucas helming directing writing this episode or not writing but kind of helming this episode and then you, like it's such a it feels like the passing down of a torch from Lucas to Filoni and Filoni is now like really carrying the torch high. Uh, just it, this episode carries so much of the philosophy and ideal, like ideological beliefs of George Lucas, like to the core, to the, to the shot compositional level, to the set design level, to the, you know, just to the, to the atmosphere of the story. And I wanted to ask you, did you get a sense of that duality, which I'm going to, speak more specifically about but a very a very uh kind of contrasting duality between eastern western traditionally eastern uh, like samurai movies and the western gunslinger movies did you get oh, that sense oh yeah 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 okay oh, i know yeah. exactly what you're talking about the ending yeah. scene yes that's yes. yes that's what i'm talking there's about. there's literally there's literally a samurai fight happening as a western standoff is happening yes. it's simultaneously at par- like at simultaneously yeah what yeah. what sort of world does that happen in only star wars i think man <laughs> i think so i think you're right yeah. on that yeah i was oh my god i was so happy seeing that and, and just realizing that that was taking place parallelly it was it was seeing like yojimbo kind of take place within star wars and you know, George Lucas has obviously said many, many times Akira Kurosawa, the legendary Japanese filmmaker uh, behind like Seven Samurai, Hidden Fortress, all that. Um, it His visual language is like steeped in this episode from Ahsoka walking down the empty street that is invoking of, you know, a Western or Samurai, both kind of like, you know, just the empty dirt road. It's like on a editing level, on a shot composition level, it's just like hitting home to that fact of 
this is where the man who created Star Wars was taking ideas from, and I'm going to go back to that place. That's what he's doing. And to the fans that are like perceptive of those things, it really hits home. And even if you're like, you're not acute to the references of like Yojimbo or the good, the bad, and the ugly in this, you get a sense that this is like, this is the galaxy far, far away that George was showing us in 1977 and Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Like this is like really true to the core mythological um, characters and stories taking place. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I did pick up on it, but I didn't think too hard about it because I was just enjoying the episode so much to where it just For sure. happened. Yeah, yeah. it was just, it was, it, it just it. unraveled, right? It yeah. was just two parallel fights and you're almost like, the, the editing of it kind of built the tension of each fight progressively higher, I felt. The yeah. it, the um, kind of samurai-style fight with Ahsoka just dealing with the this queen or whatever, who apparently, you know, has a Mandalorian staff that can fight lightsabers. I thought that was pretty cool. That yeah, Lama, Beskar. Uh, apparently, Beskar, like, okay. yeah. I actually looked up, like, Beskar and, and mentions of Beskar within, like, Star Wars, and it actually goes back a long time. Like, with, within mm. some of the first expanded universe stuff i find it so funny that boba fett had such a cool character design that the fans just took it and ran with it like well this armor's mandalorian oh yeah well mandalorians were a sacred creed of warriors that fought the jedi thousands of years ago they rode dragons it created an entire lore off not the character but the character's clothes his armor it's so it's so it's silly but cool yeah at the same but it, time that's like know. the that's like if you wanted to explain the star wars fan base in a nutshell it would be that that yeah. like an entire you know what i mean like an entire set like side fandom or a side like avenue of the universe just opened up because people were like that's a cool helmet specifically yeah. you know and um, uh, yeah. i don't think it was called beskar i think it was called mandalorian iron at first i like yeah i like, like i like how they they get into the Beskar like the, the one they call it Beskar in the show and, and, and get into how why is it important why is it uh, special the, the Mandos yeah. overall well back yeah. in the day they needed to like as the nerds were writing their fanfics about Mandalorians so a bunch of an army of Boba Fett's fighting Jedi they're like well how is this even fair well they used to have armor that reflected lasers and lightsabers oh, okay and you're like right. whoa that's pretty sick yeah i like, guess i mean you start you start thinking like oh now i want to see luke skywalker versus a uh, uh, boba fett like you know that that's what i started thinking i'm like i really want to see a toe-to-toe situation with mandos and jedi like well you did okay on, at the, the jabba's palace at jabba's palace that's right very quickly though very briefly it's yeah, like a yeah. quick pshum, Exactly. No, but like we like did get a good Mando Jedi fight in this episode. Yes, despite good, how good, brief uh, it was. Yeah, good turnaround. I love the line that um that he says the Mandalorian and a Jedi they'll never see it coming. Yeah, but Ahsoka's not too unfamiliar with working with Mandalorians. Right, so. and I guess she wouldn't even call herself a Jedi in the no. traditional. I'm surprised sense. she didn't mention that. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, I. I guess that would have made more sense to bring up as a reason why not to train uh the kid yeah i thought i thought she'd be like that like the reason why she gave made sense as well because of grogu's attachment to mandalorian and that causing trouble and her having like a very personal side to that obviously with her well yeah let's talk about that real quick that's what i was even mentioning like that's the whole tie back to the prequels and her experiences with anakin and you know i think you know just tying it also to the sequels real quick because if if I can give a praise into those movies even once in this 
series, I will do it, just to be fair, um, and non-biased. But one thing I like that Ryan Johnson did, even though he really just skimmed by it really briefly, but it was like a quick line of explanation why Luke didn't want to train Rey, why he believed the Jedi should end in Episode Eight, And it was because he recognized the vanity, the hubris of the Jedi Order, the religion, and he explained that, I mean, really briefly to Rey. I wish we got more of that. But he kind of said it in a way that was just like very explanatory, very expository. And I liked it. I liked it for how it worked in that movie. I liked it even better in the show because Filoni knows what's he, what he's doing with these characters, truly. And her explanation felt just way more real because I have just seen season seven of Clone Wars where, you know, uh, she says goodbye to Anakin for the last time. I saw the Rebels clip where she fights Vader and sees the half of his mask broken off and seeing Anakin's true face for the first time and realizing who he is now. So the weight of that explanation was just way more felt. The consequences of the Clone Wars and, and her whole journey is like brought up to where we are in this episode to this point of will you train this kid because like they might depend on you like it might depend on you now or you know the imperials get him or whatever so it, it leads a lot of opening to like where her character goes forward i think yeah um and and the mention of grand admiral thrawn this is yes. where i think everything's going to kind of get tied together because we've been getting more Clone Wars era mm-hmm. characters being introduced. Even like and EU like, concepts, legends concepts and stuff like that. Yeah. And 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 like um in, in where are these Clone Wars characters introduced they seem to be like one off episodes. Like we came with Ahsoka, we asked about the child, and that whole issue was resolved like within half of the episode. One episode. So yeah, pretty much. Um, it's like, okay, where do we go? Like, what was the point of bringing Ahsoka in other than fan service? Well, obviously right. they have some sort of plan with her. She has some sort of plot ahead with Grand Admiral Thrawn. Mm-hmm. Grand Admiral Thrawn is tied with um, Grand Moff. What's his name? Gideon. Fucking Grand Moff Gideon. Or just Moff Gideon. I think he's just a Moff, not a Grand Moff. I think Moff. he's Moff. I don't think he's I need Grand, to brush yeah. up on my Imperial um, leadership roles. Uh, so, Moff Gideon... Admiral Thrawn, same fraction. Ahsoka has beef with Admiral Thrawn, apparently. Gideon has beef with Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bo-Katan has beef with Moff Gideon. Let's have a big fucking team up in season three and have something go down with Moff Gideon, Grand Admiral Thrawn, because he'll have enough time to be built up by then with Ahsoka, mm-hmm. Bo-Katan, and the Mandalorian. And bam. Man, I'm writing the show fucking for them, man. I think yeah. that's what has to happen, though. I think so too. I think we're like we're pre- pre- predicting a bit where it'll go, but that makes sense, right? Like, why else would you name drop Thrawn like that in that situation or in that kind of a way too? That where is he? I'm looking for him. Like that leads me to believe, as you know, like an audience, that this story is not over yet. Like you no. wouldn't just name drop that for fan's sake, you know? It's that doesn't make sense. I I don't think they're doing that. I think. What, either what you're saying is right, which is a season three kind of end game situation where all the teams of people come together to fight these guys or whatever, or this is kind of a spin-off line. Like this is keep keep your ears clear or keep your ears open to what we have to say next about Ahsoka. She might get her own show next or something like that. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a uh, pointing to something. I don't know what it is. And I think the Thrawn thing is just cool as fuck because we we need a badass Imperial. Like, Moff Gideon oh, okay. is pretty badass and sick, but we need a fucking 
Emperor Palpatine level Imperial right now, you know? Um, I wanted to ask you this. Who is your actor for Grand Admiral Thrawn? Fan casting, ooh. Yes. I, I do have an actor for it, but he won't be in it because he was already in episode nine. And that is um, Richard E. Grant. That, yeah, that makes sense. He was sort yeah. of Thrawn-like. Um, I don't know if my Thrawn will work because my actor's pretty old, but are you familiar with Charles Dance? Let me Game just search him real quick. Is, yeah, yeah, I was just thinking, he's from Game of Thrones. Is he the, um, he, he was the uh, Targaryen, right? Lannister. Game of Thrones. Lannister. He was, he was the head Lannister. The head, tar, not Targaryen. I get the Targaryens and the Lannisters mixed up. But yeah, the head Lannister. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the, 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 the shitty dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a good fan casting too. I could I could see that. I could see that. Just get a bridge guy that's old and, you know, kind of wrinkly face and could do the job well with yeah, a menacing just paint voice. Paint him blue, put give him red eyes, and he's yeah, good, exactly. good to go. I, I did hear somewhere though they're they're interested in getting the guy who did the voice of uh Thrawn in Rebels to come back and do at least the voice, maybe not like the mo the acting and the paint stuff, but like because I was watching a bit of Rebels just to see Thrawn in Rebels and like I don't know much about him from Legends and I don't know what his whole deal is in canon right now, but just hearing him, I got excited. Like this guy's is uh, kind of like a psychopath. Like he's kind of a a not a he's like a Kim Jong Un esque dictator or like a Hitler kind of a dictator where he's just doesn't give a fuck about even the people that are under him. He's just everything he's trying to do is like to prove a point in the most sinister kind of a way and to send like a clear message to his to his enemies. Um, and he does that in like oh, the shit. the really sketchiest ways. So. I'm interested to see where this goes. Um, so the voice actor who plays Thrawn is Lars Mikkelsen, who is the brother no. of Mads Mikkelsen. No way. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Is that Lars Mikkelsen? Uh, I mean, small world, but yeah, could Mads be the Mikkelsen case, right? is his brother. I was actually no just way. thinking, like, if it weren't for Mads being in Rogue One, I'd want Mads to be Admiral Thrawn. But yeah, fuck it, get his brother. Like, no, that's honestly. the next best thing, right? Like, that's like. Keep it in the family. Yeah, that would I'm be sick. I'm looking at Lars, and he kind of looks like a Thrawn, my guy. Because he, he kind of looks like Mads, obviously. Yeah. Have you seen Rebels? Like, have you seen Thrawn and Rebels before? Uh, Just a couple clips. I've never been, really been that interested in in Rebels. Okay. I would say, like, just even check out clips of Thrawn just to see how, like, what I'm talking about. Like, this guy's just a menacing character. And, like, the idea of him in live action is, like, okay, now... Like, a lot of people were saying, like, Thrawn should have been the main antagonist for the sequels. Because that's how it, in the EU, kind of story progressed in that direction. But, and and he was designed in that way to kind of uh, surpass Palpatine as the next in line or something like that. So, he's really evil, is what I'm trying to say, and, and worth the exploration. Oh, um, but and I'm Sid, looking at there was no source that? material. Yeah, who said that? I don't know. She yeah. should be fired. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Hire me, actually. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. hire us. We know what we're doing, baby. Well, yeah, at least like, Filoni. Does. I just want to be. I just want to be a fly on the wall of Filoni composing shots on this episode, or like writing, you know, character ideas and stuff. Like, I just want to be that fly on the wall. I just want to be a fly on the wall of Filoni talking to Kathleen Kennedy and Kathleen Kennedy like not understanding and like having a blank slate oh. stare <laughs> as Dave Filoni is yeah. going on about. Well, you see the Sith and shit like that 
but yeah, um, yeah. It's like, so we gotta go to Titan next, okay, Kathy? Okay, oh, yeah. we're not Speaking gonna go to another much. sand planet. We're not gonna go to Jakku or Tatooine. Again. We're gonna go to somewhere new that will get, you know, we'll tickle the pickle a little bit for the fans. Titan is a Titan. pole. So that's where we're going, bro. Let's get Titan it. Titan is a pole. I did not expect it. Yeah, bro. Um, I didn't. There, there's no way I could have expected that either. There's no way. Like I, oh my! When I heard that, I was like scratching my head for a second. I'm like. No way! They just it's said the, that. It's the Jedi equivalent to Korriban, right? Exactly. It's it's the birthplace of the Jedi Order, essentially from the ancient species of the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, right when they use like the proto lightsabers, and there's like a floating pyramid, Jedi Temple. Like it's the coolest lore, uh, not the coolest lore ever, but like it is uh, an aspect of the Star Wars lore that I never thought would be realized. In, in live action or animation or whatever. I thought this is EU nonsense. That would just be, you know, I, let's wait and see obviously how much they get into that. I think but, the only, the only time it's been like actually used in Canon was in a comic book and it's like a frozen planet now. So we'll see if they continue. Oh, that. really? I hope it has the same visuals from like, from the, the legend stuff, oh, like from the nice I just saw a leak. stuff like that. Oh, yeah, I just I, I want to see I want to see them get into that a little bit. Like it would that's the good subversion of expectations I think we're talking about. Dude, you know? I just accidentally Wait. saw a leak. Oh, I'm so pissed at myself. Oh no, you're not you're not on Reddit right now, are you? No, I'm not on Reddit. I was just scrolling through Google and oh. yeah, I saw a leak. Fuck Is me. it damaging? Is it a big one? Yeah. Oh, severely. For for next episode for the Titan episode or, or um, I don't know if it's for next episode but this season it's, it's something yeah. eh oh yeah. god damn this this just created a, sh- a a a shift in the in the podcast I feel disturbance right in the force <laughs> the forces yeah the force is uh shaking right now <laughs> oh I'm actually uh, testing my I hate I can doing sense that. your energy about it like that's some it's some unnerving shit that you might have just read yeah it's uh we'll see it's been yeah. talked about. Yeah, apparently, like I'm, I'm being really weary about that now because apparently the whole season is leaked. Yeah, the whole, the whole, every single plot point's been leaked. So you got to be careful. Tread, tread lightly when you're going through. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. It's, it's dangerous out there, folks. Yeah, that's Uh, that's crazy. That's a that's unfortunate when it's getting this good. But yeah, everybody who is wants to be spoiler free and you know not Cheney in this moment right now, stay away from the the leaks. I guess. Anything else you want to add for this episode, Chaney? No, just give me give me more cool stuff, Dave Filoni. Yeah, um, you know what you're doing. I um, think this is like the exclamation part, uh, exclamation point on the Dave Filoni resume of good reasons to give him his own trilogy or a movie. Yeah, anything. Just give I guess. It to him. I guess the one thing I'll add is like just little like this is just one quick thing like little mm-hmm. details that he has. Um, laser shotgun. Um, the architecture looks like Jabba's palace. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, instead of like using regular violent with lightsabers that you can't really use anymore. Like there's that shot of the guy in front of the bell and the bell gets cut in half and you see the guy. Oh, fall. that was sick. So like, yeah, cool stuff that you can do there. Like that's a really creative way of showing violence with lightsabers without being too violent. Mm-hmm. And, and in a PG, quote-unquote PG television way. Yeah, there so was a lot of that where you said. didn't see a lightsaber necessarily slice through anybody or puncture anybody or the things that we're used to seeing that are all always badass, but there was never like a wasted 
moment or like a shot or like a way to show the action there was like you said cutting through the bell and seeing the slice marks or cutting through the tree um and I, and just even tying back to the the how this episode was shot it's one of my like one of the best looking bando episodes so far like i think a lot of the shots were like very very gorgeous um composed like very gorgeously composed and a lot of those were like especially the wide shots with ahsoka just you know carrying her lightsaber around some of my favorite visuals for sure um but yeah with that i think without without running our heads around the grogu situation again because yeah i just need to see how that one works out and my 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 speculation i guess if we're gonna end with that for the next episode is that we're gonna get a little more about the jedi the jedi order like mandel's gonna learn more about what the jedi are um and maybe even about the Mandalorian Jedi conflict. I think that's really interesting too. That in canon we don't know much about. You fool. You think we're going to Tython right away? Oh my god, Cheney. You know, don't you? No. No, we're not going to Tython right away. Come we're going on. to another mechanic, that's what. Yeah, we're going to another mechanic and then Bill Burr's going to show up. Yeah. Uh, well, that would be cool too. Yeah, that'd be that fantastic. Be. Yeah. Any um, Any speculation from your side? I actually have no idea what's going to happen next episode. I I think it's just going to be a, a filler episode, to be honest. Could be. I I yeah, like it's it's like three episodes left. Like, don't waste it at this point. You know, like give us. I don't think they're ever wasting even like the fillery episodes because they always add to like at least at bare minimum like world building and just introduction of different kind of characters and actions. So I don't think even the fillers are wasted necessarily. But when you just had an episode like episode four. We shouldn't, we shouldn't like dip from this point, you know? No. But, but yeah, we, we might, we might, who knows? Well, we'll know next week on Friday. Yeah. That's what. But anyways, um, thanks for listening to this episode. We're just about to record our next one as well, but make sure to follow us on Instagram and YouTube at mythic morons. Um, and, uh, give us a rating on whatever you listen to, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. It actually helps a lot. Um, and again, we like to post on Instagram and, and, and post a couple stories every once in a while and and um, get some insight and discussions going. We've been kind of in hiatus. It's School's picking up and Sid's been feeling sick and I've been feeling sick. So um, Yeah, it's the, it's the epitome of flu, uh, flu season for like my internals right now whenever this like any shift of cold weather comes in or like any just change of weather like i'll immediately get sick and i can already start feeling feverish right now so it's not looking fun right now but we got mando to look forward to at least yeah but anyways this is uh cheney signing off yes and yeah stay tuned for the next episode which will be done right now